Um, <clears throat> this talk is called Utter Simplicity. And, of course, Dr. Bob gave us that. Keep it simple. And um, the essence of spirituality is simplicity. And so we're going to start this with an exercise. You guys are going to take a piece of paper and a pencil. And um, we're going to take about three minutes. This is only going to be to you. We're not going to pass them around or anything like that. Just write down in your own words why... Is humility so important in the spiritual program? That's it. That's the assignment. You just write like you say. Just think and write out to the best of your ability. We're not going to show it around or anything. Why is humility so important in a spiritual life? And we'll take about three minutes. Let it go 20 seconds and then shut it off. Okay, so we took our best shot at writing down in our own words why humility is so important in a spiritual program. So now we're going to have a second writing assignment, and we're going to do the same thing, John. We're going to take a break. and Now, take what you have there and reduce it to two sentences, or one if you can do it. In other words... Take what you just wrote and find the essence of it. This is harder. And see what you come up with. So now we've had two attempts at this. So then we might ask ourselves, why didn't we write the short version first? Because we don't like simplicity. Nothing's that simple. When Dr. Bob said, keep it simple, everybody said, yeah, but this is more complicated than that. Whatever situation comes along. Did anybody get down to one sentence? Yeah, go ahead. If anybody wants to read them out, go ahead. One sentence. Wonderful. There you go. There you go. God's will for me is to serve as other kids. There you go. Huh? Okay. My way doesn't work. My way doesn't See, this is amazing, isn't it? Yes, in the back. To let God in. What? To let God in. Let God in. Kills okay. Like What's that? Kills my like Kill the ego. Necessary to be free of self. Good. Anyway, it was just an idea on how. Now, if I reduce it down, I would say. It's the only possible way out of self-centeredness. 
There's no other possible way out. That's one more way of looking at it. So you can see as we went around, there wasn't one answer. But you reduced your own thinking to the simplest possible terms. And that's the closest you can get to the truth. And so when I um, sponsor people and they share at meetings, I'm constantly telling them, let me see next time, only share one minute and get everything you want to say in one. Now 30 seconds. And it's a great exercise because they really think before they talk. And then they sound so wise. You'll find that old-timers, they don't take very long when it's their turn. Whereas other people will talk for seven minutes, trying to cover it all, and it loses everybody. You just go, what the hell was that? And somebody who brings it down, you know, like the big book, it works, it really does. I mean, I'm through. And um, so... It's very important to realize the connection between simplicity and spirituality. And the ego hates simplicity. Because there's no excuse for not doing it. So we make it complex so we can explain why we haven't done it. Oh my God, there's this and there's that and all of those things. Bob said love and service. So we could just come here this weekend and just go, okay, love and service, turn off everything, pack it all up, go home. And we would have accomplished a tremendous amount. But we just... So the um, talk that I had came, and I've mentioned this before, um, Bill Wilson in a letter in later sobriety was describing AA to somebody in the program after Bill looked at it for all these years. And he says, what I see now that AA is, is an utter simplicity which encases a complete mystery. Fascinating description of our program, isn't it? An utter simplicity which encases a complete mystery. And um, the steps are so they are so simply laid out that it would be hard to improve on anything. And it took Bill about, I think, what in the history books, is thirty minutes. 35 minutes on a legal pad? Well, let's see. And he took the Oxford steps, and as he says, he was closing loopholes. The drunks were sneaking through this, and they were finding a way out of that. And so he's just putting them down, and then uh, he comments, and they, oh, there were 12, oh, boy, 12 disciples, 12 months. This is very good. They got hassled around a little bit as it went through the process. And now here we are. 75 years later, they're working perfectly. With How many generations is that? Three? 
Three generations later, the exact same words are producing miracles. So I would say that something got reduced down to its essence. And when you follow these simple, and we, he uses simple, um, I thought I wrote down where all the places in the book it says simple. Um, We start with um, a very complex life when we get here. It's so complex that we drive ourselves crazy thinking about it. And they go, well, let's inventory. And we start going through our own ideas, our character defects. And as our sponsors um, explaining things and helping us see things, we realize that when he gives us some input, it makes everything so simple. Why didn't I see that? Why didn't I see that? And we start reducing the number of problems that we have and the number of um, pounds of weight on our shoulders because we made it so complex It's not just that my wife does that, she also does this, she also does that, she also does that. And then the sponsor said, well, the problem is you never listen to her. And you go, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I just told you all these things. Just try listening to her. Next time, just sit there and, what else? What else? Wow, wow. And see what happens to those other problems. And then you come back and you go, geez, I don't know what happened. She just started being a lot nicer. (laughs) And so it was simple. Listen. We've been talking about listening. We always approach problems with talking. What's the problem? Here I go. I'm your expert. Sit down. Blah, 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 blah. And the answer was, listen. And there wasn't any any further explanation. It was just listen. And then when I look at the um, beginning of the tenth step in the big book after the promises, we've now entered the world of the spirit. And I and I love that. We came from the complex material world where we're out there slugging it out and coming up with this plan and studying this book. No, no, no. Don't live that way anymore. You are now in the world of the Spirit because we had the awakening. We suddenly realized God is doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So now they're going to lay out the plan. How do you live over here? And so Bill says, whenever you're upset, disturbed, frightened, or everything, ask God at once to remove it. Okay, now let's go on to another subject. That was the plan. <laughs> yeah, but there's more, right? There's certainly a, there's a lot more. No. Just ask God to remove those things. And then you can go out and be useful. You can go out and do all. I know, but 
You can't say that my entire life can be reduced down. Oh, why not? And it's very difficult for our ego to comprehend it could be that simple. So we don't do it. In our arrogance, we know ahead of time, without doing it, that it wouldn't work. And then we go on for years and years, and somebody just says, have you ever done that? Have you just spent all day staying connected to God, asking him to remove every disturbance as it comes along? No. No, I haven't. Why don't you try it? Because it won't work. You ever say that? I can tell ahead of time that it won't work. I knew prayer wouldn't work. I, didn't, I never prayed, but I knew. But I could just look at it. You're going to sit and you're going to talk to something, and something's going to happen. So I proved that prayer didn't work by not praying. And people say, you ever get any results from prayer? No, nope, I've never seen any. So we see how we reject simplicity? It just <laughs> doesn't settle well because it's so possible. Um, when you look back on your life, there are what I like to call singular events. You know, that's one of those things, the singularities that they talk about in the cosmos and the Big Bang was a singularity. And I think in our lives, obviously being born was a singularity. And I wish I could go back and I read this somewhere and I thought it was the greatest line as soon as the little child is able to talk, they ask him, do you have any comment? And his comment was, yeah, I didn't ask to come here. And I thought that was the perfect <laughs> reaction to arriving in the world. I didn't ask to come here. And we didn't ask. We just came. And... Um, After a singularity, nothing's the same. So if we were pure spirit, now suddenly we're a spirit having a human experience. And that is dramatically, that is such a singular experience. And I think I had other things that were this or that, but the next singular experience was our first drink. One drink and nothing was the same again. Nothing. All our priorities changed. Our approach to life. We had found the secret. We had been given this vision. We had been given all these things. And I look back on it and I can tell you that after the night I finished my first night of drinking, I was never the same again. That was... A huge turning point. And it continues until we have the next one, which is the spiritual awakening. And when that happens, nothing is the same again. None of your ideas about God are the same. 
None of your ideas about human beings are the same. None of your ideas about yourself are the same. It was a entire psychic change. And from those places we see um, unbelievable events. And I think I've talked about this before in that um, when they talk about the Big Bang, I just love that. That all of a sudden there was nothing and then all of a sudden out of no who knows where, whoo, and it's, look what came out of that. And I think they say it was as small as this. It was like a little pea. Everything had been compressed down. And out of that came the whole universe. And you could say that it um, happened, whatever they say, 16 billion years ago. Or you could say it's still happening. That singular event is still happening. And we were part of that singular event. Because everything that's in the universe was there. And so it just seems so simple that, well, how did all, all this stuff, there's all these explanations. It just was there. And my way of looking at it, the Big Bang for AEA was Bill Wilson's experience in Towns Hospital. Because in one instant, he was set free from alcohol and had an overwhelming urge to save every other alcoholic in the world. And he couldn't get rid of that. He couldn't have stopped starting AA if he tried. There's no way that he could have done anything except go out and try to sober up drunks and cause them to have the same singular experience. And the energy that came out of that, we're, we're feeling it now. I think we're, you and I and everybody in this room is part of Bill Wilson's Big Bang. We came out of there. That was where we were born or reborn. And it's still going on. In other words, that flash, whew, it still goes going all over the world. It's amazing how simple that is. Let's start AA. There, done. It's over. You don't have to do anything else. You just allow that energy. Is there a plan? Is there a plan? What was the plan in your area to get the 150 groups started? Does anybody remember the blueprint? It just happened. Am I right? It just happened. Fred and Al got pissed at Pete <laughs> and went over to the Catholic Church and started another meeting at exactly the same time on the same day. It just happened. <laughs> and it's still just happening. So we're just happening. 
What a simple idea. It's just happening. This weekend is happening. The weekend was happening in my head. I was in bed one night just lying there. And it just was, okay, start this thing. You're going to get all these ideas and you're going to just not local. It all came in one thought. No local people. Not people that know each other. It'll be serendipitous. How do people hear about it? Remember Chris in the beginning, a guy. Well, how are they going to find out about it? Oh, the word of mouth. Oh, I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> There's no flyers. There's no... You follow what I'm saying? And I talk to people here, and they say, well, why are you here? Well, he told me. You see, and that's... How simple is that? And... Um, So somehow out of this, there's these two forces. I look back on Bill and Bob and how they were the perfect counterpoint to each other. You know, one to keep it exploding and the other to keep it from blowing up. They just held things in exactly the right amount of energy so that this unbelievable society just happened. Talk to people who tried to study AA in a sociology class. They can't possibly comprehend it. They look at our traditions. You know, who's in charge? How is it organized? Oh, no, no, we don't want to be organized. Well, how much money do you have? We don't, we don't take money. We don't like money. We don't want any of that. Listen, what do you think about this? We don't have any opinions. No, sorry, don't ask us. Don't ask us about warning labels on alcohol. We don't have any opinions. And they sent a witness down to the Senate hearings. And I understand AAs are, yes, they are. What do you think? You're all in alcohol. You'd be experts. What do you think about warning labels on alcohol? We have no opinion, sir. (laughs) It's in the Senate record. We have no opinion, sir. Well, thanks a lot. We really appreciate your help. (laughs) So if you study AA, it's clear it doesn't work. It's like people who look at a bumblebee. They say, it's no way. I'm, I'm an aeronautical engineer, and that can't fly. And so if you look at the way AA is laid out, it can't work. It can't possibly work. How does it work? Oh, one drunk helping another. I know, but what's, what's really how it works? One drunk helping another. I know. I'm trying to find out how it works. Could you please amplify? One drunk helping another. Sounds like a broken record, doesn't it? Well, who assigns which drunk? How do you know who you're going to help? I mean, is there a plan? I mean, when a drunk comes in, who gets them? It just happens. It just happens. Maybe he's, I happen to be standing near the coffee pot. And he said, can you help me? And I said, yeah. That's it. So, you, AA is, how simple can you get it? 
You have some suggestions. And look at it. It just keeps succeeding. It just keeps growing. It just keeps causing miracles. It's almost impossible to not conclude that God was involved. I mean, God's involved in everything. But here, you just get the feeling that on that day in 1934, in December, when Bill was in that hospital, that's when the universe decided we're going to give drunks a chance. And there was a bright light. And it was over. All the instructions were in the bright light. It all came out intuitively. And every idea that human beings thought up, if it wasn't part of the plan, they didn't work. No, I won't give you any money. Rockefeller. Oh, geez, money will ruin your thing. He's telling us we're the experts. We need money. No, you don't, you don't get any. Who's running this thing? It's pretty simple. God's running the whole show. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but what do I get to do? You see what I'm saying? Right away. I'm going to louse it up. I'm going to make it more complicated. I've looked at, I've looked at AA and I'm, I'm looking at this and I, I don't know. In our area... I think we ought to, boy, we got more rules and regulations doing nothing because where's the work being done? You know where it is. It's right in your home group. It's right when somebody comes over your house and you sit down and it's one drunk talking to another and it'll always be that. They just, I mean, how simple is that? All you need to hand out is your phone number and your address. Joe, do you think you can find 11 West Elm Street? Be there at 9. That's the end of the plan. (laughs) Every Wednesday at 9, Joe, 11 West Elm Street. Now Joe goes home to his creator, has a reunion. Now he can't help but pass it on. I don't think you need to tell people who've had spiritual awakenings they ought to go out and help people. You can't stop them from helping. They can't contain it in themselves. We used to, up in D.C., I remember we called it the two- or three-year syndrome. They wanted to become an alcohol counselor. Any of you go through that phase? I gotta pass this on, I gotta pass this on. Gee, at a treatment center, I could be passing it on all over. Then they'd go over there and go, no, not here, I'm out of here. But there was that something inside. When you have something that wonderful happen to you, you can't keep it. You know, somebody, you know, they say you have to give it away to keep it. You already know that. You can feel it inside of yourself. Now, if you haven't had the spiritual awakening, then you need to be told, get out there and help. It'll make you feel better. It'll keep you sober, etc. But once this psychic change takes place and that light comes on, you just can't stop the person from wanting to pass it on. It's just that simple. You, you don't need to issue instructions. There's no manual. There's nothing. 
Remember in early AA, they were, they were trying to codify everything. If you study, go on the Internet, you can Google all these things in Cincinnati, Akron, Cleveland, Chicago. Some guy with five years was typing up precise instructions on how to take the steps and how to get people sober. And they surface every so often. Now you'll hear, well, we're going back to the 40s. This is exactly how to do it. The problem is it's not the same as the one that was in Akron of precisely how to do it. Did you follow? Because somebody else typed up the clear instructions on how to be a sponsor. So there's no official anything. No official anything. So how does the sponsor know what to say to the new person? How often have you said, the guy asked me this, and I don't know where the words came from, but I said this, and it really helped. That's why we don't need an instruction book on what to say. Now, once in a while, I'll get stymied and I'll call... Tom I or Clancy or something like that. Did you ever have a guy, you know what I mean? Then I will get. But most of the time, I intuitively come up with something that is useful. So we're relying on something invisible. We're relying on when two alcoholics are gathered together, God's going to be there. And you're going to come up with words Open this guy up. And the next person you work with, you won't use those words. The different words will come because it's a different person. So you're watching simplicity at its essence. No instruction book. Nothing. One drunk talking to him. I know, but how do you know what to say? Don't you think we should script it a little bit? Do, did you ever try to, you know? No. Well, how the heck does that work? It just happens. It just happens. So you can see simplicity is everywhere in AA. Spirituality equals simplicity. It's just, we can complicate it, but eventually we're going to have to reduce it down. Like those of you, if you started with long paragraph, And he just kept getting it down. And like Dr. Bob, love and service. That's getting it down there. And But you can't start with simplicity. That's why we go through this process of taking our complex minds and all these ideas, get rid, get rid, get rid. And then you end up with somebody asking, well, what is the essence of all this love and service? I know, but what is the real essence of all of this? (laughs) Love and service. Yeah, I heard you. I'm trying to get an answer to my question. That was the answer. Couldn't be that simple. Love and service. So Bill was so correct when he said, this is an utter simplicity. But then he said, it encases a complete mystery. So what's the mystery? The mystery is you can't explain it. 
You cannot explain it. Some, there was some um, on the Internet, a Wired magazine article. Did anybody read that? <clears throat> and the point that the author was trying to make, he was using AA as an example of being experts on alcoholics. If you want to get information on alcoholics, go to AA. So they came, and he said, so I came over there, and I said, so how do you tell which alcoholic's going to make it? We haven't got a clue. We don't know. I thought you knew a lot about how do you tell which alcoholic's going to have a slip? We don't know. Well, you guys don't know much about alcoholism, do you? How do you know which person's going to become an alcoholic? Um, um, do you know anything about alcoholism? <laughs> and he, he was using us to try and show the general public that life is uncertain. And stop trying to figure everything out. These guys are experts in one area, alcoholism, and they can't figure it out. And yet it still works. So when you are sponsoring somebody and you go, I wonder when this guy will have his transformation. Did you ever see that, pick somebody and you just go, man, he's getting it. This guy is going to be a winner. I'll put my reputation I'll put 30 years sobriety. Says this guy's good. What happened? He got drunk last night. Oh. I was sure. On the other hand, this guy over here, he's not paying attention. He's sitting there. He's thinking about his girlfriend. He's texting. He's doing this. He ends up running the group. You can't predict it. You have no idea. Here we are in the middle of this thing. We suddenly realize we're in the middle of a mystery. It's happening. None of us can explain it. I'll keep it even more simple. Did you ever try to explain AA to your friends? <laughs> they see you. They see the transformation. And they go, wow, I am impressed. With AA, you went from this piece of crap to this wonderful man. Exactly how does that happen? Oh, we have these meetings. Oh, I see. Well, what happens at the meeting? Well, we all get around a table, and there'll be a leader. He'll get a topic like maybe resentment. And then we just go around the table. Each person shares about resentment. And we take up a collection, and then we say the Lord's Prayer, and we go home. It's amazing. And people look at us like, what? That did it? You can't explain AA. It's impossible. Bring them to one meeting. Let them see it. That's it. You don't have to say a word. They just listen and they look at the people and they hear somebody say, I came here three years ago after 12 years in prison. I put, uh, now I'm an assistant minister over at this church. 
And they'll go, I see how IEA works, but I can't explain it. Because they'll go home and they go, God, it's amazing. There's a guy there was a friend. I know, but what did they do? I don't know what they were doing, but it was amazing to watch. <laughs> so you can see you, we are in the middle of it. And we can't get our arms around what's going on. We're not in charge. There's something in charge. AA is a perfect place to watch it. And we're, we're, there, we're here day after month after year watching it. And we can't predict anything. We can't predict anything. We can't even predict how our contact, how close our contact with God is going to be tomorrow morning when we wake up. Where did it go? You're like this with God for a month. And you just get that sense, boy, you wake up the next day, you look around, the world sucks. Who are all these asses? What the hell do they do to this food, the traffic? Jesus. It disappeared. Why? I mean, you know, in other words, this stuff can't be explained. AA. So that leaves us to God. And I think I've done this here before, talking about what God is, and we have to say He's a mystery. And that's what Bill is saying. We have this perfect simplicity which encases God. There's the whole dynamics of Alcoholics Anonymous and you and I and everybody else. And it just is one giant living AA society. And it just is growing. It just happens. And we're part of it. And we don't have any choice. We didn't choose to come here. Who chose to come here? <laughs> I didn't. Somebody, you want to go to AA or go to jail? Oh, I'll go to AA. I mean. So it helps us change how we're going to look at everything. We're just going to look at it not wanting to understand it and not wanting to explain it. So what is left? Experience it. That's it. The only thing we can do with God is to experience him. And I've often thought that um, we could have saved a lot of trouble if AA had, um, way back in the beginning, taken a shot at the word God. Not to explain it. Not to give a definition. But to tell everyone how the word is used here in AA. Not what it means, how it's used. And it's used to describe an experience. You work the steps 
God is just a word. Three-letter word. You don't even have a meaning for it. You use it when you swear. You may have some weird ideas about it, but as far as you're concerned, it really is just a word. Now, other people seem to have a different relationship with it, but yours, it's just a word. And then you finish the steps, and you suddenly realize something has transformed you. And in Alcoholics Anonymous, the word God is used to describe the something that transformed me. That's simple. There's no meaning. It's just we got to credit something which caused this transformation. And it wasn't me. So there's how God is used. But he still remains a mystery. And I think I said this before in... um, One of these talks down here, there's two things you can do with a mystery. You can try and figure it out, like reading a detective novel and try to figure out who the killer is before the author tells you. That's one way to ruin a good book. Or you can just go, wow, like when Harry does a trick. It's a mystery. You just look up and go, whoa, that can't be figured out. But it's there. And it's obviously there for me. Why don't I just watch it? (laughs) What a novel idea. Just watch it. Like go out and just look at the stars and go, man, look at that. Look at that. Looks like you're wasting your time, doesn't it? I can't think of a better use of Just looking and going, whoa, whoa. And then go to bed. Since there's nothing to figure out, you just go, wow, until you're tired and go to bed. (laughs) Oh, that's out. That's too simple. Can't be that simple. Wow, and go to bed. What about... Oh, you got a better plan? Yeah. Here's 25 things to worry about instead of wasting time out there looking at the freaking holes in the sky. Get back to reality. This is a real world. Can you hear the voices? Can you hear it? Oh, yeah, go out and go, wow, and go to bed. (laughs) Well, the same things will happen whether you take the 25 Peace list, or you just go, wow, the same things are going to happen. Disappointing, isn't it? (laughs) Doesn't leave much, much for us to do. What am I supposed to do? Just look around and go, wow, and go to bed. What's the problem? And we went over, did you have that meal? That was cool, wasn't it? Wow. How did it get there? I don't know. It's just there. And we just ate it, and we all talked to whoever was at our table. There was no seating arrangement. Did you notice that? It just happened. We just ended up with 
And tomorrow you'll end up with different people. So it's all one big happening. Hmm, too bad we can't keep it that simple. But if you seek, you can. You can uncomplicate by getting rid of. That was Chuck's favorite thing. Finding something else he was wrong about. And getting rid of it. Until he was approaching the truth. Funny thing is, human beings are afraid of the truth. Because it's unknown. And it's the greatest gift we can have is to learn the truth about ourselves and God. It's precious. You shouldn't be afraid of it at all. And it's simple. And it's very close to love and service. It's very close. It's just being able to see it. Just being able to look around and see what a happening. What a great word. What a happening. And you see, you don't really play a role in it. You're just part of it. You're just part of it. Like I was telling you about my sponsor's son. There was probably 60 pieces in that orchestra. And you sit there and there's all this music coming out. And each person is in harmony with the other. And St. Francis talks about that. Where there's discord, bring harmony. It's real simple. Somebody else is playing this note, then you try to come up with a note that's in harmony with that. You come up with the harmony. You can always make it sound good. No matter what note's being played, you can spiritually find a note that'll be in harmony with it, and it won't be in conflict. It's just amazing how simple. The whole prayer of St. Francis is... When you go out and walk around the walk with the, with the stations or the thing, just look at those lines and see how much is crammed into where there's discord bring harmony. I mean, man, where there's error bring truth. And I'll point out one thing and then we'll stop in, the, in that prayer. And somebody was talking, oh, they were talking about Yana today. It is by forgiving that we are forgiven. It's the only way to forgive yourself is to forgive everything else. And then it'll be done. You won't, you won't, you will never directly forgive yourself. The need to forgive yourself will be gone when you forgive everybody else. Because how could you forgive somebody who won't forgive? And that, that, why forgiveness is not part of this talk, but it's why it is the ultimate secret weapon. When in doubt, forgive. No matter what it is, forgive. Now, if you could really get good, you'd never have to forgive because you wouldn't judge, but I don't know how you get there. I've tried for two years to slow down the amount of judging I did, and I think I increased it. 
<laughs> so, maybe there's some teacher somewhere else, but I, um, boy, you. Th- <laughs> anyway, it's been, I'm glad my voice came back a little. It's been a pleasure. It's just fun being part of you and letting you be part of me. And you just remember each other and get to know each other this weekend because um, we're just part of a happening. Thank you all. Good night and have a good one.